we began this series uh, looking at, in essence, what God has, was doing in 2015, the things that he was sharing with us, the things that he saw as important for us to embrace, to learn how to be changed, how to move forward. It became clear as I was reflecting on that, that God was getting us ready for 2016, a different year. Some people might really believe that God speaks like that, and some might be skeptical that is a pastor trying to motivate you. I don't really make all that much money here, uh, so I'm not paid enough to lie to you. I'm not sure what that amount would be, but I'm not making it. So if I stand here and say, I have a great sense of urgency about this year and us going into it and God's plan to, to prepare a people, then I, I could not be more serious with what I'm saying. And as I shared with you in that revelation, he made it clear to me, Bill, you're not ready for 2016, not where I'm going not what we're doing. And I reflected on that and really took that over to a corporate level, and I'm willing to say if you're following me, perhaps you're not ready either. If you are ready, just let that pass right on by you. But I believe God's call to urgency in this season is not for us alone. I believe he is calling the church, and we will see a very different year in 2016. <clears throat> so I guess this is, my feeling is it's not a year to be American or to be Mexican or to concern yourself with nationalities or to concern yourself with many ways we identify ourselves. It seems that much of the church, um, not all of the church, but much, much of the church has been working hard to fit into society. Working hard to have the right programs, to have the right uh, focus to help people. And a lot of it is about helping people. And a lot of it is about helping people improve their lives and about being a better person. But that's really not the call of the Bible. <clears throat> the call of the Bible is to be God's people, not just a better people not just a healthier people, not just a wholer people, not just a happier people, an employed people, a kind people, a generous people is to be God's people. And that's what God is after. So coming into 2016, here's the way it seems as God has given it to me, that we have raised up generations to be very rule-oriented and very rights-oriented. We're a very rule-oriented and a rights-oriented people, and I think we like to think of ourselves as not being rule-oriented. But pull up to a light or a stop sign, and the other person goes before you were supposed to go and see if it doesn't affect you. See, if when somebody violates the rule, it doesn't matter what rule it is, they cut in line in front of you, whatever it is, it's always a big deal. We are a justice-driven people. We are a legalistic people. 
We champion right on our watch for us. Not necessarily for others. Not necessarily for the rest of the world. But the, the part we feel. In government and society, we want our law enforcement to make our neighborhoods safe. That's their job. We want our government to make our borders safe. That's their job. We want our leaders to develop and maintain an economy so that we can live the way we dream of. That's their job. We want our schools to teach and educate our children, maintain a safe and nurturing environment, even if we do not. That's their job. And all of this should be at no real cost to me, nor should it put my family members at risk in any way. Because that's the society I want to, to serve me. That's what we can sound like. For church and faith, we expect our churches to be like family. Only not like our family, but like a real family. But more like a family that loves one another and never disappoints one another. If I'm not at church, I want them to pursue me. I want them to let me know I was missed. But I don't want them to judge me for not being there. They need to have programs that, that really help my children and help my youth. Programs for the divorce care and programs for single moms and single dads. It needs to be kind of a full-service place that interests me, that engages me. I want a place there where I belong a place where I can fit in, but not a place that demands a lot of me so that I'm drained or it, it pulls from my private schedule. I want God to be there for me. I try to be good. I pray, but I don't really hear anything. I don't really see anything happen with my prayers. I don't know as much about the Bible as I should, but I'm a Christian and I believe in the Bible. I'd like to know more about the Bible, but I don't have the time. In principle, I might like to be more involved in the church, but I don't have time for that either. With my commitments, it's difficult to give very much of that regularly to God. In my job and career, I want a job where I'm stimulated. I want to be appreciated. I don't want to be talked down to. I don't want to be stuck. I want the money I need to do the things I want to do in my life. I want good benefits. I want time off when I need it. And I want some kind of a retirement plan. In life, if something happens to my car, the party at fault needs to make it right. If it was my fault, then my insurance company needs to make it right and not go up on my rates. I should be able to afford a good house in a good neighborhood, have good dependable cars, trucks, big trucks, and buy my kids the things that allow them to fit in with their peers. These are my rights. 
I want to believe that my dreams and my goals are always possible and that I can begin to pursue them anytime I choose. For love and family, I want to find the right person who will like me for who I am. They'll love me just the way I am. But they will be faithful and patient and kind. They'll be forgiving. They won't expect any of that really in return. They need to be attractive. Someone I don't get tired of. I want my kids to love and respect me just the way I am. I want them to appreciate the sacrifices I've made for them. I want them to honor me as their parent. That kind of describes our society. Whether we like it or not, and it kind of describes the church. The church has had to figure out how to make, to draw people who think that way into a life together as the church. And what God is saying is, that church won't make it. That church isn't his church. That is not what his people look like. That's the American dream. And if you, if, if you can't let go of that, what part of it? All of it. If you can't let go of all of that, then you will struggle to follow God. This message is about removing the obstacles of following Jesus. It's the getting ready. We are that generation steeped. So let's look at God's people from his perspective. We have it Romans 8, 31 through 39. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse whom God has chosen for his own? He's talking about you there. Who can accuse you? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and raised to life and was raised to life for us. He is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. He's pleading for us. Can anyone separate us from the love, from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have calamity? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have persecution? If we are hungry? What about if we are destitute? Does this mean that is null and void if I am destitute? 
or in danger or threatened with death. Boy, that does not sound like the American dream, does it? Wow, really? So in all this love, I can have trouble, calamity, persecution, hunger, destitute, uh, danger, and threatened with death. I do indeed feel blessed. But you see, the person who knows that they cannot be separated from the love of God, even by those things, is someone who knows the love of God. I mean, they know it. It's not a mind thing. But it's a part of them that cannot be messed with in circumstances. It becomes an identity far stronger than our hopes and our dreams. Verse 36, as the scripture says, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing ever separates us from the love from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Neither fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, nor even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above the earth or below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is who you are. It might not be the American dream, but it is the God dream. And it's what his people look like. If you want to know what God is calling you to, this is what he's calling you to. This is the, the person of God of 2016. Now, the good news is he's going to do all the heavy work. He does the work. Can you come share? This is Elizabeth. She was actually supposed to share this last week. The uh, Holy Spirit will tell you. Last week, um, when Bill and other people were talking about urgency and um, a need to do it right now and fire and all of these things that I felt like should get me fired up, all I kept thinking and feeling was a sense of peace and a sense of calmness. And I was asking God, you know, why, and why is this what I'm getting, and why is that what they're getting, and I felt like I heard him say something like, um, because you've been trying to do it all on your own, and that's so taxing and tiring, and I've almost not wanted to do it because it's so taxing and tiring, and I felt him say, it's not your job, it's my job. It's for me to do. You just have to allow me to. 
and that just gave me a very calming feeling. Sounded great. Okay. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Matthew 19. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And you have to appreciate his disciples weren't rich, but they understood everybody wanted to have income. Everybody wanted to be affluent, just like we do today. I mean, if I were to ask you, how many people bought a lotto ticket a couple of weeks ago? Uh-huh. And if you won, you were going to have to share it with me. No, that's for the church. I'm another 10%. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? They knew this was not about Bill Gates. This was about people. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. John 5, Jesus gave this answer to them. Very truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, is the son also. For the father loves the son and shows him all things. Yes, he will show him even greater works. He will show you even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. We do what the father is doing. And without the father, we really can't do anything. You can't be a better person. You can't let go of your addiction. You can't, you can't really do all that much on your own. I think most of us have changed just about all we're going to change. On my, under my own steam, I'm, a, I'm 58. I don't see myself changing a lot more because I read a book or I had a conviction. So how do we do this and why aren't we changing if God is the real source of changing? Well, you have a role. So the Holy Spirit is operating and acting in you and through you. But we have a part. You see, we can't make things happen, but what we can do is be diligent about the obstacles that we put in the way at removing those things. I have a little example for you. You can sit over there. Hey, Dylan, how are you doing, man? Pretty good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. 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 Isn't that Karina over there? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. She's pretty. Yes, yeah, she is. You sound like you like her. Yeah, well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, you should go talk to her. You should go talk to her? Yeah, go talk to her. I 
Yeah, go talk to her. What are you waiting on? Go talk to her. Dude, I did it. How'd it go? Dude, dude, it went really good. Yeah, yeah, I really? think she likes me. Did you ask her out? No. You didn't ask her out. Was I supposed to? Well, she's probably not going to go out with you until you ask her out. I, I, I don't have a handbook. How was I supposed to know? Well, you see, Kind of a way to do this is if you like someone, then you can invite them to do something with you, a term we call asking someone out. Oh. You see, you have to do that part. You can't make her like you, but you can ask her out. Okay. All right, so you blew it, buddy. Go home. Thank you. You have a part. We have a part to play in the role of our transformation. We can make ourselves available. We can look and watch for obstacles. We can be diligent about the things that are preventing us from hearing and sensing the voice of the Lord. There are all kinds of things that stop us from hearing God. I want to talk about four different things very quickly. The first one is, you will need to surrender to his will. Is As easy as that might sound for some and as difficult as it might sound for others, it will be something that we have to learn to do. It goes completely against the American dream. It goes completely against my rights, my privileges. It goes completely against that. You see, when I surrender to Jesus, I am no longer empowered to flip off the other driver. I don't do that, but if I did, I would have to give that up. You see, everything changes with how I move in my life. Why? Because all of that stuff is taking the place that God wants to operate in my life. The places where I like to brag, God says, I will take care of the bragging for you now. 
Yeah, you're the fastest person in school, but that's not really yours to work with anymore. That will be my responsibility. It's all mine now. You surrender to me and watch what I can do with your life. All it costs you is everything. Matthew 23, 11, for the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I think we just read through those words. I mean, the idea that God is going to humble those who cannot be humble. Right away, that sounds painful, doesn't it? God is humbling you. Nobody likes to hear that. but it's because we are rights and rule-driven, because we are competitive, and because we want, and we, and we have entitlement. For us, the road to the Holy Spirit, you hearing him, we must find a place to be humble every day, every moment. Surrender to his will. Not only do you have trust, you'll have to act upon your trust. Trust is a really another word for faith. When we look at the word trust, it really is, or if we look at the word faith, it's just really trust that was acted upon. Faith is an action thing. Trust is that you believe something. Faith is you're acting on it. We have to act on our trust. We can't just trust. We have to be willing to act upon it. In Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. To be ready to be a people that walk with God, hear God, understand what he's saying, and are willing to be brave and act upon that, be the people that are growing, be the people that are ready. You will need fellowship with other believers. If I were to rank all of these of where I feel like we struggle the most, I really can't place one over the other. And I can't tell you how much I feel like this one is ignored. We need one another to do this. You and I were not called as individuals. We were called to be a people. We were called to be a people. We weren't called to be people of individual rights and privileges associated with the gospel. We were called to be a people of God. And I think we highly underestimate 
how important we are to one another. To build each other up, surrendering individuality and encouraging one another. For building each other up, 1 Thessalonians 5.10, he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together in him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Very often, I find that even people of the church aren't really busy building each other up. We're not really busy encouraging one another. We're busy swapping injustice stories, how my miseries are probably a little bit worse than yours, how my struggles have been harder than yours, what's going on in my life, and, I, and, and you share what's going on in your life. But are we encouraging one another? Are we challenging one another? Are we making time in our life so that we're getting that from one another? Because the Holy Spirit will use that to transform you. I have an accountability partner. We meet every Wednesday, pretty much every Wednesday. We meet in Pearland. I drive 40 miles for breakfast every Wednesday. And I shape my week around honoring that. And he drives about 40 miles from up by the airport, Intercontinental Airport. And it's a time to encourage one another, to challenge one another, rebuke one another, lift one another up, pray for one another. You know, I've been doing that, I think, about 20 years with him, 15 or 20 years. We need one another, but not just for barbecue, not just to watch the game. I need you to encourage me in the things of faith. I need you to cheer me on in the things of faith. I need to do the same for you. I need God people who are speaking into my life in ways that brings value, in ways that tears down obstacles, in ways that builds me up. We need one another. Titus 2, 11 through 14, surrendering your individuality. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives right now in this age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself, a people. He purified himself, a people that are his very own. Eager to do what is good. That's your call. That's my call. 
to be his very own people, eager to do what is good. Does that describe you? Does it describe us? A people of God's very own, eager to do what is good. All of this will attack most of what we've lived for in the American dream. But Jesus is calling us today. And the Holy Spirit is here to do a great work in each of us. To connect your soul and your spirit with his. Hebrews 3, 12, 13. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. It's easy for that to happen, isn't it? But encourage one another daily. Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you might be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. This is where God wants to work in us. He wants to make us his very own. He doesn't want to share you with America or Texas or Lake Jackson or Clute, Jones Creek. He doesn't even want to share you with the label Christian. He wants you to be his own. He wants me to be his own. He wants us to connect with him in the way that he always desired and designed. He wants you to believe in him. to believe in him enough that you would see what he is and who he is more valuable than everything you have fought for and pursued in your life. He wants you to know he loves you. And he died for you and he dies for you every day. 